as we're going to get into this in just a little bit, I want you to know something that, that as I preach this word, I, I preach with great reverence to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that I don't have this all figured out, okay? Just like the rest of us. We're just, we're just walking this journey together, and, 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 and I, I'm a frail child with feet of clay. And, and as we walk and serve, and, you know, I, I don't want you to think for a moment that I've got it all figured out and my, my life is perfect, because it's not. I come to preach the word because God puts that with me and in me. And, and you know, it's, um, I really didn't intend for this sermon this morning to turn into a Bible drill, but there's a lot of scripture in here. And, and you, you may want to write some of them down. I don't know, because they bring tremendous promise and they bring tremendous uh, help in our faith as we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 8, the Holy Spirit, it says, empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us for victory over our flesh. The Holy Spirit empowers us for victory over our flesh. Oh, we need that. See, now, now we are already in a <laughs> no condemnation status. Meaning that because we have been born again, because we have been born again of the Spirit of God, we will never have to pay the penalty for our sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We will never have to pay the penalty of our sin. We've been freed from the penalty of sin, which is death, eternal death. We've been enabled to keep God's law because of the righteousness of God has been imputed to us. It has been credited to us. And we have our, our nature transformed so that we are new creations. We are new creations in the Spirit. And so then we're, we're minding the things of the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. We're, we're doing life with the Spirit. And, and the Spirit is life and peace. But, you know, we still have a battle that is going on in the present flesh on a day-by-day -day basis. So the Holy Spirit must empower us to have this victory over the flesh because we are in this body. We are, we are in this body of flesh. We walk this earth in this body of flesh. And so there's a daily, there's a battle that is going on and the Holy Spirit must empower us for the victory over the flesh. And this is a result of our changed nature. We are free. <laughs> we are free from the penalty of our sin. But we are also free of the power of sin. And someday we're going to be free. When we're in heaven, we're going to be free from the presence of sin. Man, I look forward to that. After, after we see things that are going on in our world, I look forward to not being in the presence of evil. I look forward to not being in the presence of sin. And we've been given so much. And with all that we've received, we need to understand, brothers and sisters, that it comes with responsibility. Our freedom isn't free. It cost Jesus Christ everything. Our freedom in this country was not free. 
Others gave their lives so that we might live. I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to read this two, two verses out of here. But I, I just, I know that God is in this place. His spirit is here and, and he's got a word for each one of us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, the, the weight of your spirit is, is just weighing heavy. But Father, I recognize that, that you are still in the redeeming business. Father, that, that you are redeeming all of creation back to you. You are redeeming our relationships. Father, you are redeeming those situations in our lives that are, that are, that are keeping us up, that are, that are distressing to us. But Father, you are the one. You are the one who is, who is redeeming all of that back to you. Lord Jesus, you, you gave us life. You gave us eternal life. And Holy Spirit, you are the one that empowers us to live in victory over these circumstances. Father, thank you so much for giving the comforter to us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment, in this time that we have together today, that you would just reveal yourself to each of us in a very real, tangible way. Father, we love you and we praise you. Guide us as we read your word, Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 8, verse 12 and 13. Romans 8, verse 12 and 13 says this. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know, for us, the Holy Spirit provided this no condemnation status by the work of Jesus Christ being applied to us, both his suffering and also his righteous life being applied to us so that when God looks at us, he sees the sacrifice of his son. He sees uh, Jesus's blood covering us, but he also sees Jesus's righteous life in us. And that's why there is no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus He's also changed our nature through our conversion, through when we gave our heart to Jesus, he comes in and he changes our life and we become a new creation. And, and, but this point looks at what he does for us in the day-to-day struggle here that we have with the flesh, which we still have because we haven't received our glorified bodies yet. Okay, we haven't received that. We're still walking this earth in this flesh, weak as it is. And now the key to understanding these two verses here is the little phrase in verse 13, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. By the Spirit, he says, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. Putting to death the deeds of the body. We're talking about an ongoing life in which we win the battle from the flesh and we do it by the Spirit. (laughs) See, apart from the Spirit, 
Apart from the Holy Spirit of God, there is no victory. There is no victory. There can be no victory. And let me put it as simply as I can. Flesh cannot overcome flesh. Humanness cannot overcome humanness. It's who we are. It's what we have done. You see, you cannot pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's physically impossible. You cannot do it. But you see, you can't change yourself. It has to be something else that changes who you are and what you do. That's all our flesh can do is, is just what it can do. And, 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 and all our flesh does is serve the law of sin. <laughs> see, our flesh is that selfish part of us that does what we want to do. Our flesh is that carnal side, that lower side, that, 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 that lower side of our nature that just wants to, you know, it's almost like feeding an animal. You think about this, it's like our, our society is consumed with the flesh. To be quite honest, we've become a society of bottom feeders, of feeding off of those things that are dead and dying and not feeding off of the good things that God has for us. Just look around, pull your phone out, open your computer up, turn the TV on. It's all around us. We're consumed by it, this flesh. But go back to Romans 7. <laughs> you know, verse 18 says this. It says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Nothing good. Anything good that you see in my life, anything good that I see in your life comes from our Heavenly Father. Because there is nothing good in our flesh. There is nothing there that's good. See, you still have this component in your makeup that is evil, that flesh cannot do anything that is good. Verse 19 in chapter 7 says, for the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. In other words, I, I live in this body of flesh, and so this flesh is not capable of pleasing God. In the flesh, it is hostile toward God. We don't want anything to do with God when we are in the flesh. Verse, verse 19, verse 21 says this. It says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me. Who's writing this? The Apostle Paul. He's saying, I, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, I don't want to do, that is the very thing that I do. And then he goes on and he says in, in, in verse 23, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. And I think this is huge because, so, so where is this evil? It's in the flesh. It's in the flesh. It's, it's, it's clinging to me. In verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And then down in verse 25, still in chapter 7, he says, So then, 
On the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. The flesh cannot change the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You know, look at verse 12. He says, so then brethren, and he calls them brothers, which literally means from the same womb. You know, brothers, and and really what that reminds us of is the closeness that Christians have with each other. We are both, as Christians, as believers, we are born of the Spirit. So we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. You've went into places, you've been introduced to people, and their spirit and your spirit did not mix. It was like, it was like polar opposites. It was like, you know, you, you have to stay a certain distance away kind of thing. And the reason is, is because either you have, you know, a, a, a demonic spirit or a spirit of God. And you, you think about that, and it's like if you're living in the flesh, it says in verse, in, in verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They don't have it. They cannot do it. He uses the word brothers because to, 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 we are the closeness of believers in this family. We're part of the same family. Notice in verse 12 also, he says, we are under obligation not to the flesh. We are under obligation not to the flesh. And the word obligation, we think about that word, it, it means to owe another, as in under duty to live a certain way. But the implication that Paul is making here is that we are not under obligation to the flesh, but we are under obligation as believers to the Father. We have an obligation to him because we are a new creation. We're not under any obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But, you know, we, we kind of act like, you know, mosquitoes flying to the, the, the light, you know, the bug zapper. It's like, it's like we can't help ourselves. We just have to do it. You know, and, and, and what he's saying here is we are not under any obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. I mean, the pattern for victory is very simple. Don't live according to the flesh because you don't need to. (laughs) You're no longer after the flesh. What do he say? For the mind set on the flesh, the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on flesh, verse six, is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And we wonder, why is this struggle going on? Why is this struggle going on? We have a moral compulsion as Christians and we're obligated, we have a duty to Almighty God in at least two ways. I would say first is this, you don't live like you used to live. You don't live like you used to live. If you're a born again believer, you are now someone you were not before. 
Because you're a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old, the old has gone. The new has come. And so the first result of our relationship with God is a change in our behavior. See, we're told that we don't live according to the sinful nature because that's not what the sons and daughters of God do. In fact, too many of us fall back into flesh living rather than faith living. Brothers and sisters, we owe the flesh nothing. We owe the flesh nothing because it has never done us anything that is good. In fact, we feed the flesh way too much. I mean, and and the flesh is either producing um, self-indulgence in us, where we do exactly what we want to do because the flesh is satisfied by that, or it causes self-righteousness where we feel like we're better than someone else or that, that we're above that. or we, we, don't, we don't have to worry about that because we're above that. So either way, the flesh is letting us down, either too much indulgence or self-righteousness. And in the end, it only leads to death. I came across this acrostic for the word flesh. It's helpful to remember. It means following long-established sinful habits. Flesh. Following long-established sinful habits. And so you don't live like you used to. Once you're born again of the Spirit of God, you don't live like you used to. And secondly, you put your disobedience to death. This is huge. Dr. Charles Ryrie, he, he called Romans 8.13 the most important single verse, the most important single verse on the spiritual life. I mean, Paul affirms here that if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. We don't like that. We don't like that. The flesh wants self-preservation. You know what? Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live for the Son of God, I I love because he he loved me and gave himself up for me. And the thing is, is is when we see that, we've crucified the flesh, we must die. Now, now this is an axiom here. And an axiom is a self-evident statement that needs no explanation because it's a fact. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. See, he's not discussing the believer here. He's discussing the non-believer, someone who's never been born of the Spirit. All flesh. If you're living after the flesh, you will die. And I think that's huge because if you are after the flesh, you'll walk according to the flesh. You'll set your mind on the things of the flesh. And what he's saying is, that is death. You know, some translations might even use the word mortify. To mortify or to kill. Folks, my point is this. We cannot, we must not be passive about sin in our lives. 
See, the flesh, this, this flesh and bone, this, this blood and sinew wants to do what makes it feel good. But that's not according to the Spirit of God. We must avoid being passive about sin in our life, putting to death the deeds of the body. And really that refers to <laughs> killing the sin in our life, being dead to sin, alive to God, but dead to sin. And you see, the same word is used in, in, in uh, verse 36 when he says, we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. We need to slaughter our sin because we belong to the Lord. You know, John Owen, he said this, he said, the best that a non-believer can do, the best that a non-believer can do is sin. And the worst that a Christian can do is sin. See, one man's ceiling is another man's floor, okay? The best that a, a, a non-believer can do is to sin, and the, the worst that a Christian can do is to sin, and so we think about that, and, and, the, and the battle is very intimate. We have no problem pointing fingers at someone else's sin. But the problem is very intimate and personal. You're the problem. I'm the problem. The problem is right here in this heart, and we know it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know already. You know that the problem is with you and, and, and we want to blame everybody else around us. We want to blame all the other things. And, and so we have to start by acknowledging our own problem. Search out the poison that is in you. Find the hidden camouflage darkness in your mind, in your will, in your heart, and you will start to put to death the deeds of the body. Those things in there that are deceitful, that are violent, looking for an opportunity to conquer. I mean, consider it this way. Think about it like this. Think about what you think about. What is your mind focused on most of the time? Think about what you think about in order to capture your thoughts, to take every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about what it is you think about. See, too many of us cater to the flesh, letting our mind wander. and It's wandering around, meandering far too close to the fleshly and sinful pursuits when God tells us very clearly to crucify the flesh. Oh no, we keep entertaining it. We know it's wrong. And we do it anyway. Guilty as charged. See, we're all in this together because it's all of our problem, but it's individually our problem. I mean, there's a couple of aspects of putting to death the, the deeds of the body that appear at first glance that they kind of seem contradictory, but they're not. With regard to our position in Jesus Christ, it has already been done. It has already been done. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. It's a done deal. Our position in Christ means we've already crucified the flesh. 
The Apostle Paul wants us to understand that with our new position in Christ, there's also a responsibility to honor the Father. To honor him in everything that we do because we wear his name. We bear the image of Almighty God. What we do reflects on him. If we truly love him, we will honor him in the way we live. Christians, as Christians, we are held to a higher standard. And the problem is, is when we don't live it out, we become a hypocrite. And that's what the world sees. See, keep this in mind. It will give us the strength that we need to be obedient. See, in our position, it's already done. We've already crucified the flesh. But in our experience, experientially, we must do it. We must keep doing that. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. It says, put to death those things that belong to your earthly nature. Let me see if I can explain it like this. We must apply by faith what God has already done in fact. He's already taken care of that for us, but we have to apply that in our faith. I mean, that goes back to Romans 6, 11, which says, count yourselves dead to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, by faith, we count our position as true in our actual condition. And it's, it's written in the present tense, which means that we must be doing it continually as a habit and actively. But here's another caution real quick. While we're told to put to death the deeds of the body, notice carefully that we're to do this by the Spirit. By the Spirit. It's not a matter of me doing this alone. Nor can I just sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to do it for me. You know, well, the Spirit will take care of that. It's not an either-or situation, but rather a both-and because it's a beautiful balance, because I must do it by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit chooses to do it through me. So these are complementary. They're not contradictory truths. We see this in Philippians uh, 2, verse 12 and 13. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So what I'm saying is, is I must do it, but it's God who works in me to do it. He has a role, and I have a responsibility. He's done it all, but I have a responsibility in this. We could say it this way. I can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not do it without me. It takes both of us to put to death the deeds of the body. 
saying, well, Bridge, okay, great. Um, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, but practically, what does that matter? What what does this mean for us practically? As I sit here today, how, how do I apply this? And let me just quickly suggest some ways to put to death the deeds of the body in our lives. And you, you may want to write some of these down. There's some scripture involved here too. But, but first off, I would say this. We must recognize how sin works. We need to recognize how sin works. I mean, if you look over in James chapter 1, it says this. Verse 14. It says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. (laughs) What that says is that says sin comes from the inside out. We're each enticed by our own lust. The flesh is doing what it wants, and it, it, it's, it, it's creating this. It's, it's in us. It, you know, sin comes from the inside out. And, and, and that's what it means when it says we are enticed by our own lusts. It's like a, a worm that is in the middle of the apple, and it crawls to the outside. It eats its way outside. And you know what? We don't want to eat that apple. And you know what? The world doesn't want anything to do with us either. When we live that way, recognize how sin works. Secondly, I would say this, identify your spiritual soft spots. (laughs) I mean, honest self-evaluation, because most of the time we think better of ourselves than we are. We think we're not all that bad. At least I'm not, I'm not doing what that guy's doing. At least I'm not living like they are. At least I'm not doing. And we think we're pretty good people. But identify your spiritual soft spots. Take a look on the inside. Look around. Know exactly where you are vulnerable. Because you know. You know where your soft spots are. You know that temptation that you cannot say no to. You know where those are. But have an have a accurate evaluation. Identify those. Confess and repent when you sin. It's not a one and done thing. When you sin and you grieve the Spirit of God, then confess it to Him and repent of it and don't do it anymore. I mean, the psalmist writes about that in Psalm 32. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. From night, excuse me, from day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away from me as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. We've got to go to him 
when we fail, when we sin, when we yield to the temptation. And we got to confess that because sin is universal. We all have this problem. You know, but here's what we do. We say, we keep doing it and we say, oh, well, oh, well, he's going to forgive me. And it's like the power of the Holy Spirit is able to give us the victory. I would say also turn from sin within the first five seconds of temptation. Turn away from it. You know when you're being tempted. I know when I'm being tempted. You know when you're tempted to do something that's not right, that you're tempted to do something that you know you shouldn't do, to go someplace you shouldn't be. You know that. Turn away from it. See, we must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Our thoughts drive our behavior. When we entertain thoughts of sinful behavior, our flesh does what we have set our mind upon. You know I'm right. Verse 6, chapter 8, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I would say also don't deal with uh, sin on a superficial level. Sometimes we just want to make it go away or, you know, but you got to get down to the heart of the issue. You cannot put a Band-Aid on a mortal wound. Oh, yeah, you can knock the fruit off of the tree. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want it to grow, you've got to cut the tree down by the roots because sin begins in the heart and on the thought level. <laughs> I mean, if you don't cut it off there, it's going to continue to produce fruit because you understand this, that no one, no one commits adultery without thinking about it first. It begins up here. It begins in here. It's the same with lust. It's the same with greed. It's the same with selfishness or pride. They pop into your mind and you have to cut that thought off right when you have it. You have to, you have to bring that into obedience to Jesus Christ. Don't entertain it. Move away from it. Deal with it on a, on a, on a, on a heart level. And I want to say this too. Starve. Starve sin by making no provision for the flesh. The reason we keep being consumed by sin is because we keep feeding our flesh. <laughs> I mean, stop feeding your flesh and its lusts. I know I'm plowing close to the corn right now, but I'm almost done. Watching news all day long is an unhealthy addiction. It's the same with social media. It's the same sitting there scrolling on our phone uh, and we're, all we're doing is feeding the flesh. We see these little videos and, and, and some of them are very vulgar. And we may even laugh at them. We're feeding the flesh. You have to starve the flesh. Turn the TV off. Put your phone down. Go out into creation and work in the garden. See, we have to make no provision for the flesh because we keep doing it. 
Play some boundaries between yourself and sin. Don't, don't make your, your walking path right next to the slimy pit. Go the long way around. Take a delightful long cut. Look for the way of escape. Oh, how we need to look for the way of escape. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. I have that underlined. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. I mean, God has made a way for us to not yield to the temptation, but we have to look for the way out. We have to look for it. I mean, you know, the way of escape may be to turn your phone off and go to sleep. It may be to turn your computer off and go to sleep, turn the television off. But you see, he has made a way where we don't have to yield to the temptation. He also says to fill your mind with good things. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Stop being a bottom feeder. Raise your eyes. Raise your, raise your view. Raise your focus. And lastly, I would say, submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And then be filled daily. Ephesians 5, 18 says us, tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus paid a debt. He paid a debt that he did not owe And we owe a debt that we could never fully repay. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to. (laughs) Yeah, it's not by works. It's a matter of grace. But we need to live in light of that grace. So I want to ask you and invite you this morning to (laughs) recommit to living out your life and your, your, your debt to God, okay? Being done with the flesh. Remember what you delight in. Remember those things. Refocus your mind on your your final destiny. What God has for us. I want to leave one thought with you. I close by reading the words to this song. It's called The Family of God. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are part of his family. And it describes our condition. It says, from the door of an orphanage to the house of the king. No longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong. I'm not worthy to be here. But praise God, I belong. I'm so glad that I'm part 
of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain. I've been cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm part of the family. The family of God. That's your experience and that's my experience. From the orphanage to the house of the king. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I pray that as we continue to worship you, Father, that, that Father, we would put our mind on the things of the Spirit and that we would be done feeding the flesh. Father, that we would be of one mind. Father, that we would be walking with you, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Father, that we would allow your spirit to feed us and that we would feed that spirit within us, Father, that we would raise our eyes, that we would be done with with all of this bottom feeding, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we would live and act like sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Father, I pray for a great revival among your people. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit among the church, your bride. I ask, Father, that you would begin with us. Father, that you would pour your spirit out. And God, that it would be something that is so amazing. Father, that it would be something that is so pleasing to you. That, Father, that that even though we've been born of the spirit, Father, that we would put our minds on things above and not on things below. Father, I pray that you would break the addictions to all of the things that trip us up. Father, to the, the sin that so easily trips us and tangles us up. And God, that we would be focused on you, awaiting the return of our great King Jesus. Father, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, enduring the shame. So that, Father, you would exalt him and give him a name above every name. Father, someday every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Lord, I pray that that would be us today, that we would bow our knee to the Lord Jesus, and we would give him the honor that is due his name. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Thank you for forgiving our sin. Father, we await being freed from this wretched body of death. We love you. Guide us as we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.